Welcome to Reset with Amber Lyon, the official podcast for the website Reset.me. And we have a special podcast for you tonight coming to you live from the Amazon jungle. I've been down here for the past three weeks continuing my research with the sacred plant medicine ayahuasca. Ayahuasca really was tremendous in helping me heal from post-traumatic stress disorder. Also now just continuing to give me incredible insights and help guide me with confidence down the right path in life. And today we are joined by Chris Killam. He's the medicine hunter. We are at the Temple of the Way of Light ayahuasca facility just outside Iquitos, Peru. And this is where Chris and I met. And he is just one badass of a guy. And I knew I had to bring him on the podcast because <laughs> badass. He, he has just filled with, with knowledge uh, about these plants. He's been doing medicinal plant research in over 40 countries. He's the medical advisory board on the medical advisory board of the Dr. Oz Show. He also has an incredible book coming out, The Ayahuasca Test Pilot's Handbook. It comes out in November. And he's participated in ayahuasca ceremonies. He's gone up with confidence and and down one of the most powerful psychedelics on earth more than 80 times. Wow. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here with you, Amber. And you're becoming quite the Argonaut yourself, I must say. Yeah, I just, I see so much hope in, in these medicines and potential for transforming humanity and transforming consciousness. And I, a, after spending 10 years on the streets as an investigative journalist, just witnessing over and over the prescription drug addiction epidemic, uh, our mental health crisis, I really now realize the value of healing at the individual level and how much, if we can each heal individually, collectively, we'll see dramatic change in society. So after my first ayahuasca drink, I knew that this is all I wanted to really cover for, for the rest of my career. So well, you're doing it well. So congratulations to you for that. Thank you. It's very good to much. discover your path. For you sure. Know, a lot of people don't ever have that experience or privilege. And so they wind up doing things that they don't love or things that are not satisfying or fulfilling. And when you really can tap into something that is a, a true purposeful mission that serves a higher purpose, uh, it not only provides benefit for other people and serves, you know, serves humanity, but it also helps to nourish and sustain you, which is an important, you know, we need this in our lives. It's something I always encourage people to do is find out what you're passionate about and, and make that your life. And that's something we've both been able to do. We, sure. I feel so fortunate. Sure. I, I think of how many people are out there in jobs that they don't like. And, and I, I try to encourage people, even if it's baby steps, start following your passion. Because then when you do and you're, and you're on your true path, things just fall into place. Yeah, we don't have to buy the lie of conformity. Uh, we don't have to settle for less. You know, We can, in fact, reach high. And while not everybody wants to do that, not everybody feels comfortable doing that. Some people do feel comfortable conforming. Uh, those of us who have dreams that are, if you will, outside the box, that are outside of the parenthetical boundaries of conforming society and want something more and want to participate in a way that, you know, feeds the souls of others and, and helps to take potentially helps to take humanity to a better place you know we have we really do have rich opportunities 
So how did you know you wanted to follow the plant path? How how did you how oh. did you get on this path? Did you just always know you love plants and No, and no, gonna... it was not that simple. I mean, as a kid, you know, I played in the woods a lot. I I you know, was very fortunate to spend my summers at the beach and in the woods and play in the woods in my neighborhood with my friends. So I was exposed to, you know, some nature on an almost daily basis. And as a teenager, I was a, I was a hippie in the 60s. And Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah, you know. So my friends and I all kind of woke up one day and said, okay, so should, we should be practicing yoga, wearing cotton, eating brown rice, dropping acid, smoking cannabis. And, you know, it was just this whole kind of series of things. And I became fascinated with herbs. I knew nothing. I was totally uninformed. Uh, started going to places like Boston, Chinatown as a teenager and walking into these apothecaries, you know, the kind of the only gene in the place and not knowing at all what I was looking at, but just kind of smelling the woody fragrances and looking at strange packages of things. And, um, you know, it was, it was so not a linear path and so poorly organized that in some ways I look back and I'm actually just surprised that I got here. But I think that love can kind of drive us on through our own disorganization. And uh, over the more than 40 years that has intervened between then and now, well, more than 50 years that's intervened between then and now, I've... Um, you know, I've read hundreds of books and learned from real experts and, and participated in endless missions and expeditions around the world searching for medicinal and beneficial and psychoactive plants of all different kinds and have wound up, um, you know, certainly being one of a great many of thought leaders in this field. And it, it's deeply satisfying for me. And so you actually, you venture into the jungle Indiana Jones style, <laughs> searching for medicinal plants that you can then bring and deliver to the mainstream. And two of those plants, kava and maca. Maca yeah. is a huge staple in my diet. You're responsible for really bringing those to the Western world. Yeah, I, I um, in, the, in the 90s, I was very fortunate to go to Vanuatu, South Pacific. And um, even though kava had, in fact, been in the U.S. since... Uh, Gee, I think 1890, when it was in the Sears Roebuck catalog, um, it was it was it had you know pretty much faded into obscurity. And, and kava is a delightfully psychoactive, tranquility tranquility promoting plant that is used by people in the, the Pacific Islands. And I helped to popularize that, and and that um, I felt very drawn to it. I mean. Tremendously so. There was a real pull. Something just pulled me to the South Pacific. And I was fortunate to be sponsored by a company that sent me down there. And it was the success with kava that actually launched my career as a medicine hunter. Uh, and with maca, I've been working in the Peruvian Andes with a, a, now a person who's a dear friend of mine for 16 years. Uh, with maca growers have been greatly responsible for its popularization in the U.S. and in Europe and, and now in Asia. And, um, you know, for me, it's very satisfying to see something that provides economic opportunity for the people in the Andes, for the Andean culture, 
that provides health benefits for people in the U.S. and other countries, uh, and that also gives me the opportunity to have experiences that I otherwise would never have in my life. And I, I just love someone who is who is so passionate about Mother Nature, and and exposing these incredible plants for what they are, and and really the what I'm learning more and more through these. Uh, sacred plant medicines, especially ayahuasca, is that when it comes down to it, the plants really want to help us. They want to help us and heal us. Have you noticed that as well? Well, well, yes. I mean, we are natural beings. We've co-evolved with plants since the beginning of time. You know, our bodies are actually designed uh, similarly to to plants. Much of our cellular structure, our venous structure, the way we metabolize uh, nutrients is is similar to or identical to that of plants. Uh, we're built to take in plants as, you know, when you think about our relationship with plants, Amber, we use them as foods, we drink their juices, we make fibers out of them that we wear, we build homes out of them, we use them as fuel, we make fragrances out of them, we decorate our homes with them, and we also use them as medicines and certain plants uh, certainly the plants that comprise ayahuasca, it being a combinatory brew of two plants, a vine and a leaf, uh, are also portals to um, non-ordinary reality. So they give us an experience of extra-dimensional consciousness, and that helps us to understand uh, more fully our, our place in the universe and our place with nature and our place with all of humanity and the interconnectedness that we have in this entire fascinating, endlessly complex web of life. That's the beauty of ayahuasca is that oh, yeah. Western culture and, and our mindset has, has made everything so black and white. And it's like, this is the way it is. It's, 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 it's in this box. And once you do ayahuasca and you have an ayahuasca experience, you realize there is so much more to the universe than what meets the eye when it comes to spirits. They do exist. And I, oh, yeah. once again, I'm a hardcore investigative journalist. You're a scientist. We, we both do now believe in this, uh, especially after experiencing these medicines. And, and it also really, what's exciting to me is that it really shows you that magic exists as well and and that's something we have we i know we have harry potter and look at the success of that sure but so many people think that's just for the books and and the movies and and these plants have really shown me i I, i've watched and felt magic when when i've been been under the influence of them yeah also also something like ayahuasca really helps to shatter the uh the culture of separateness and loneliness i mean you know, more and more people spend times, you know, in their homes, at the TV, at the computer. You know, friendships are uh, texts to people on Facebook instead of getting together and, you know, sitting around a fire and talking and eating a meal and, and diving into a pond together. And, and this whole culture of isolation and separation and distance from nature is completely and totally wrong-headed. I'm not saying that it's not great that we can, you know, I can reach out to my friends in Siberia by email and say, hey, listen, I think I'm coming in, you know, August, let's get together, and that's, that's marvelous. But um, ayahuasca really helps us to get back to our fundamental interconnectedness with and lack of separateness of all things and 
as you know, because you've been going around to different places and meeting people who are involved with this and other entheogenic plants, there's this, there's this growing ad hoc community that has sprung mm-hmm. up and that is just spreading out in a truly viral way all over the world, this web of lively, thriving, thoughtful, artistic, humane, loving, tapped in, creative, you know, conscious people who, you know, we come together in these ayahuasca centers, we we drink together, we have these experiences, we wind up at the table the next morning, oh man, you know, I was eaten by an anaconda, and then I saw, you know, my ancestors coming to me, and then you're telling me about, you know, yeah, but you know, my grandmother was sitting talking to me, and then she showed me her grandmother, and then there was this goddess who showed me my future, and and all of this, it, it can sound like craziness to people who aren't tapped into it, but for us, we're tapping into this deep, deep vein of of treasure that is life imbuing and spirit you know spirit uplifting and yes. in a time when spirit is degraded as nonsense mm-hmm. in a time when medicine uh, is toxic substances that in the United States you know you look you look at over the counter and prescription drugs kill the the proper use of them kill about 300,000 Americans every year. Whereas you take something like cannabis, not one person in history has died from cannabis. So we have this interesting thing going on that we're having an experience of life imbuing plants. Uh, And I will admit that ayahuasca is not for everyone, but opening up ourselves in ways that are inspired and that make us feel more purposeful in our lives instead of separate, toxic, sick, isolated, and desperate, which is the whole other thing that's going on out there. And that's something that happened to me too. I'd lost all sense of spirituality and and believing in in spirits and, and, and magic. And I just... I really, I mean, it really had me at my lowest point in my life. Sure. Because sure. I, I just felt like this fire that was once burning inside of me was was put out. And and something these sacred plants have allowed me to do is, is rekindle that and give me a zest for life because it's there's so much more to be discovered, as you know. And I'm just new yes. on this path, and you've been on it for a really long time, Chris. And it's it's just really exciting and, and an honor to be able to interview someone like you with, with the knowledge you've been able to download. And, and even just sitting here at, at the center and listening to your experiences, as, as you say, what we do after we drink in the morning, we, we sit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think, about, you think about how religions, which are really real estate organizations, work you know they make great hay out of the fact that uh moses saw a burning bush okay i mean you're going to see a burning bush in the first 15 minutes of your ayahuasca experience you're going to see the rise and fall of whole civilizations but the thing is instead of hearing about the experiences of someone in act antiquity from somebody who's just intoning by rote from old scriptures, you get to dive into the deep end of the pool of spirit and have it for yourself and have those visions and have those inspirations and get those direct contacts with forces so vastly beyond what's going on in the general cultural conversation. And I think that's one of the great beauties of this path that we're on. And and just the people you you meet along the way too. I, oh, yeah. I think 
people that think ayahuasca is a drug, A, it's not a drug. It's clearly a, a very sacred healing medicine. It, it doesn't work for everybody, but for many people who experience its, its benefits, people even here in, in our retreat that we met, it, it is life-changing. There are very few people leaving this retreat. I, I From our sharing circle today, pretty much everyone has had a dramatic life-changing event in just three ceremonies. Yes. And, and and so it's it's really amazing to meet and to be sitting talking about magic and crazy things you've seen during your experience with, with such professionals. You, you'd expect sure. this to be maybe a bunch of, 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 of young kid, college kids or right, <laughs> trippers right, right, per right, se, right. but we, we have very experienced professionals, lawyers, uh, scientists, journalists, medical musicians, doctors. medical yeah, the doctors. The work. And, um, and, and it's just been such a pleasure to be able to connect with this this really enlightened, aware, passionate community. Well, you, you know, the thing about ayahuasca that's, I mean, look, I believe that in the United States we have some of the best trauma medicine in the world. If I get into a car accident, I'm not going to go drink ayahuasca. I'm going to go to the ER, okay? I'm going to get stitched up. I'm going to get my bones set, whatever happens. Uh, that's uh, an obvious. But for chronic disorders, and especially for those disorders uh, of, you know, that are hard to figure, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, which I know you have personal experience with, with uh, deep traumas from childhood during, due to abuse, with stomach aches and headaches of unknown origin, with things that uh, modern medicine almost never can actually treat. Um, ayahuasca is very successful as a medicine. So when people are carrying a burden, let's say a, a lifelong burden of trauma from childhood, maybe they were abused, for example, it is possible uh, with some number of ayahuasca ceremonies to resolve that such that they are liberated from that pain it's not their navigational pole star. It's not what pushes them forward in life with fear and anxiety and trepidation and concern and suspicion. Instead, they can have another experience. And I think that that's a godsend. And, and that's the beauty of this medicine yeah. is what it does is it unlocks those implicit memories. Many of us don't realize we're carrying so much trauma because we've, we've forgotten we're carrying it, but it's mm -hmm. actually very much in the driver's seat of our lives. And the ayahuasca gets in there and it, it just like the key that unlocks these memories in your brain and allows you to go back and reprocess them very logically without yeah. too much emotion and just kind of restore those memories, take them out of that fear folder, put them in the safe folder and let you move on. Oh, and, yeah. And each night I, I, I notice I process a new uh, traumatic memory that maybe I, I didn't really realize I'd had. And, and really just kind of let that go. Yes. And, and, and it's so cathartic. And, and it's Western medicine doesn't have that ability. Western medicine is just putting, you know, just stopping the symptoms, but not really getting to the core. And that's why we're having a mental health crisis, because this trauma is causing us physical and mental illness. When I came to ayahuasca, which was about seven and a half years ago, I mean, I'd been working in the Amazon for more than a decade before that. But when I came to ayahuasca, it was due to grief over my mother's death. And uh, after grieving way too long, because grief is healthy, 
But after grieving way too long, I came down here and I went to a, a very well-known shaman at the time. And I said, look, you know, I want to get rid of this grief and I want to get my energy back. He said, how long do you have? I said, I've got three nights. Is it possible to do anything? And he said, and he looked at me and said, oh, we can do that. The very first night, about 45 minutes or an hour into the ceremony, I was sitting with my mother. And she said, you know, it's pretty odd that you had to come down here and drink this stuff and throw up in a plastic bucket to get rid of your grief over my death. But you've always been different. And that's the thing, one of the things I love about you the most. And the thing that was fascinating about it was it was a normal conversation. The environment that we were having the conversation in wasn't strange. You know, there were no angels. There was nothing going on. It was just me and my mom sitting on the porch talking. And when we concluded that conversation, the grief was over and settled and resolved and never came back. And the next night, when I came into ceremony, I was greeted by this gigantic, luminous, psychedelic anaconda that basically hovered over me for the night and pounded my chest with energy so hard. It was like a jackhammer just pounding it. Um, and it didn't really even occur to me till later on that, you know, not only was I being infused with energy, but where it was going was also healing my broken heart. And the next day, I felt like a hero. You know, my energy was back. I felt marvelous. I felt that I could go back out in the world and, and you know, take the resources that I have, you know, a, a fine mind and a healthy body and opportunity and do what I wanted to do. And yes... It was odd to see my mom after death, and yes, it was odd to be re-energized by an anaconda, but who cares? <laughs> the effect was healing, was real healing, and that's what got me absolutely convinced of the profound power of this medicine. And that's a common theme. Many people do come down here to deal with grief or even if they're ending a relationship, getting a divorce to help them get over yeah. their significant other because ayahuasca is able to, science has shown, kind of rewire your brain yes. So and, and, and create new neural pathways so you no longer have, so you don't suffer from the grief. You're, you're able to move past it. And so you were really able to get to overcome your mother's death in just a matter of days. Well, well actually, in, in a matter of a night. Wow. Uh, and, and you see, the, I believe that one of the most wonderful things that can happen is to uh, experience, is to have a healing crisis that is resolved by this stuff. Because then you're a believer. I mean, mm -hmm. when I, uh, my first time in India in 1983, I, I'd been involved with herbs for many, many years. And I'd use them for sore throat and colds and indigestion and that kind of thing. But I got life-threatening dysentery. And I lost 35 pounds and I was gravely sick. And I was taken to this Ayurvedic doctor in Kathmandu. And he gave me this suspicious-looking powder and these little pellets that look like rabbit droppings. And I had no faith in this. I thought, I'm going to have to be medevaced out of here. I'm going to have to go to Amsterdam and get antibiotics. I'm dying. And I took what he told me to and the very first afternoon and I was going to the toilet like a hundred times a day and I was dehydrated and I could barely stand up the very first afternoon the diarrhea stopped 
the fever broke, and yeah, I looked like a Biafran poison, you know, poster child, and I was still very weak, but the sickness began to go. And that healing experience with something grave and life-threatening really galvanized my sense of, oh my God, this plant medicine stuff is for real for mm-hmm. the really big league problems. And I think that uh, we're so sucker punched by endless advertising and promotion of pharmaceuticals that are, you know, sometimes effective and a lot of the time just toxic garbage that only exists because companies can get patents for them, uh, that we don't know that the world of plants are the most widely used medicines in the world. They form the basis of pharmacy, the most effective drugs ever devised in all of history have been made from plants but now they're out of patent so companies are making other things so that they can make billions instead of serve humanity's health um, but this is the real deal and our uh, our connection with the plants through these sacred plants like ayahuasca san pedro pe- peyote iboga other things restores that conscious perception of our definitive and thorough relationship to plants. And also, and this is very hard for people to accept, that plants are conscious, loving entities that want to help us, that want to serve us, that want to be our allies, that want to be our teachers. Even though we spend so much time destroying them, it's like the... Wow. uh, I, I heard someone at breakfast can uh, compare it to the book, The Giving Tree. Yes. No matter no matter what we do, they're always yes. there for us, and they really care about healing us, and that's the essence of plants is, is to help heal humanity. Yeah. And when you consume ayahuasca, you're also consuming the plant spirit, correct, and that's kind of getting sure. in your body and, and healing you. Sure. And, and, you know, for, again, for us being in this isolated, separate, mechanistic society for many people it just sounds too far out when you start talking about plant spirits but when you think about this everything everything has an energetic signature i mean most of us learned the periodic table of the elements when we were in school okay every element has a different atomic weight it has a different vibratory rate it has a different energy signature um There are many methods of diagnosis for investigating the energies of the brain, the heart, the body. Now we have MRIs. You know, we can see all these energetic currents. It is not that far out to also accept that the energetic currents in the plants all have their own unique signatures or personalities, if you will, and that they can convey to us fundamental life wisdom that is healing and restorative and beneficial and enlivening and marvelous and opens up whole new worlds of opportunity for us. And that's been really, it was hard for me when I first did my first ayahuasca ceremony (laughs) and I heard the shaman say, so you're going to be drinking this brew. It's the ayahuasca vine mixed with chacruna leaves. The vine Mm -hmm. has 
um, is really where the medicine is, and, and the leaves have the DMT, which kind of sends you on the trip. And in the process, I'm going to be singing a song that allows the plant spirit, which is a living being, to enter your body and heal you. Right. And I, <laughs> Sure I you like, are, buddy. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing I thought. And I, I mean, this is someone who I was coming out of covering conflict and, and really, quote unquote, serious news or, or so I thought. And 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 so I just was thinking, like, what the hell am I doing down here, A? And if people at home only knew what I was about to do, that I'm letting plant spirits enter my body. Uh, but that first night was so healing. And yeah. it felt like a, a grandmother-type spirit had, had really entered my body, scanned my whole body, scanned my brain, figured out everywhere, every blockage I had, every traumatic event that was keeping me from being the best person I could be, it pulled up and forced me to confront it and reprocess it and 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 get over it right and and it was so i was so profoundly healed the next morning that's like i i say that's why i'm i'm here now and i'm i'm continuing to research these because i even just think in my own personal life through family members and friends I, almost everyone i know could benefit from this because so many people are carrying trauma that they haven't they haven't been able to process most people will never drink ayahuasca uh it seems too far out, but there is a, a growing body of people through things like the Santo Daime Church and Unayo de Vegetal and shamans going around the world carrying the medicine and people coming down here to places like Iquitos and Quito, Ecuador and Manaus, Brazil and into Colombia who are experiencing this. And... Um, I don't think everybody who comes down and drinks uh, does so with with the acceptance that they're going to have interactions with spirits. And for that matter, I don't think everybody who drinks has the conscious experience of interacting with spirits. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people do, much to their great surprise. And then that sets in motion a whole other sense, you know, physicists are increasingly talking about the numbers of dimensions of reality you know they're up to 11 now i mean the tibetan buddhists counted 49 but the physicists haven't gotten there yet but we experience this broad interdimensionality of life of you know of our capacity to dwell and be conscious way outside of the boundaries that we're offered in our social scheme and the plants deliver that the plants give us that vastness. And you're talking about these different dimensions of reality. For, for people that don't understand, it sounds, it sounds out there. Could you explain? It is out there. <laughs> it doesn't sound out there. It is out there. And it is in here. Mm. And when you say different dimensions of reality, so we're living in one dimension. That's what we see when we're, when we're here, present. We haven't consumed sacred plants. What, what do the sacred plants allow you to do? Enter different dimensions of reality? Or, or how does that there, work? There is, you know, when we're driving down the road, going to the store, or we're, we're performing some, you know, common function, we want to be in this world. We don't want to be spaced out. We don't want to be someplace else. I want to be present. I want to pay attention. Oh, that's a red light. I need to stop now. When you're on the mat in the ceremonial space, when you've consumed ayahuasca, that gives you the opportunity, just as if you lay down on your couch and put on headphones and put on music and let your imagination drift away, which a lot of people do, uh, that gives us the opportunity 
to experience a much more elastic consciousness. And, um, you know, we may find, for example, that we go to landscapes that are lush and verdant forests. Uh, the second night I was here on this, I wound up in an operating theater with six robotic surgeons working on old childhood traumas in me. And, and the visual experience was very strange to me, but the effect was remarkably healing and I, I couldn't have been more grateful for it. Um, there are so, you know, as, as Shakespeare said, there are so many more things in, in this universe, you know, um, I, I forget the exact quote, but um, ayahuasca, cracks open those interdimensional boundaries so that we can move from one landscape to another and experience a more vast place in which we actually dwell all the time. You know, we use theoretically five to seven percent of our brains. Um, we, in our daily life, perceive probably about that percentage of the reality in which we exist. And there are times when it's like, I don't, want to, I don't want a pilot who's piloting my plane to drink ayahuasca beforehand. Hey, this is great, you know, let's take a trip to the spirit world. No, let's fly to Korea and do it straight. But in this kind of situation, you are afforded the opportunity to have spiritual experiences that, uh, you know, the rules are different in the spirit landscape. You can have immediate healings. You can't really have immediate healings, uh, for the most part, in our typical daily world. You can have realizations that are so thorough that after the experience is over, they resonate with you and stay with you and become guiding parts of your life instead of just dissipating and becoming faded old memories. Uh, that's the great potential and power of this medicine. And people should not be dissuaded from experiencing this by buying the lie that conventional culture wants, it, wants us to swallow, which is, you know, your drugs are coffee, which I love, alcohol and tobacco. No, let's try something else. Let's step out of that model and take in these life-imbuing plants and experience a much more rich and integrated way of living. And right now, you, those of you listening probably might hear the frogs in the background oh, yeah. and the crickets. We're, we are literally in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the Maloka, which is also the ceremony house. This is where the ayahuasca ceremonies take place. We're surrounded by mats and puke buckets. and Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> we're, we've had a very cathartic time in the ceremony house uh, over the past three nights. And Chris, you've had some really profound experiences and and I love the way you're able to translate this foreign dreamlike message into a way that makes sense to everybody. Can you tell us about some of your experiences you've had over over the past couple nights, things that stand out? I I really like the one you had mentioned briefly before about the robotic doctors working on you because that that has been very profound for me as well. I, I at one point I felt these plant spirits on my body and they were it's almost like they had an ice pick and they were just chiseling away at all this <laughs> this this layer that had gone over my chest and my shoulders and I, I uh -huh. felt it just crack and break and all of a sudden I, I just felt so much lighter like bricks had been taking off my shoulders I didn't realize I was carrying around 
so much uh, negative energy. And, and it really, my robotic doctors helped me get rid of that. Um, and yours as well. It seems like you've you had a trip to the underworld or? Well, well yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think some people are probably, a, a lot of listeners are, are familiar with the work of Joseph Campbell, you know, and he basically sort of describes this kind of three-part uh, journey of the, the, you know, the, the hero's journey or the wounded healer. Uh, we've had three massive nights here with five shamans and a terrific group of talented, creative, very successful people. This is, you know, there's a bunch of switched on folks. It's been an unusual aggregation of talent and humanity and love and just beauty. Uh, the first night, you know, we set off on our journey together and, and we are having a collective journey and we also have our own individual experiences and mine was entering into the ayahuasca landscape and opening up to the energies and feeling suffused with the power and the life force of all this and it was a great 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 night so really embarking on the journey the second night i could sort of uh, liken to the sacking of rome i mean i i went into you know the i spent the first hour in a in a surgery having these robotic doctors uh, you know, going into me and working on and around me. And then that unearthed um, just a horrendous array of childhood traumas and things that were very deeply buried in the subconscious of my soul. I, I sort of liken it to scraping the gum off from underneath the seat of my being, you know, and and bringing this up. And it was a lot of unflattering stuff, ways that I've hurt people, ways that I've been dishonest in my life, mistakes I've made, uh, ways that I haven't lived up to my potential or I've failed myself or others. I mean, all of that muck, ways that I'd been hurt and abused as a kid. And it all came up in this horrendous display of stuff. It was just like shoveling shit out of the basement. And Every time the shamans came around and sang to me, just more and more and more of that was unearthed. And at the end of that night, I went into um, a sort of a completely black onyx state in which uh, there was no consciousness, no light, no activity, no nothing. And I went into suspended animation basically very similar to a coma. Uh, and in fact, my wife actually thought I was dead. She thought I was physically dead. And she was shaking me and pushing me for a time. And eventually I came up out of it. But I obviously, after going through the tremendous trauma of those couple of hours of, of having this come up, um, needed that dormant time very much like a, a frog going you know deep into the mud for the winter and just going into a suspended virtually lifeless state and then the third night last night uh, was this much more exalted harmonious beautiful state of grace in which you know now that that muck was taken up and out uh, the shaman singing and working with me brought all of my energies into this cohesive, 
beautiful, well-articulated, open, clear, lively, free uh, experience so that, you know, the, the embarking on the path the first night, going through the gut-splattering horror of the second night, emerging the third night, you know, with this sense of light and promise and goodness and wonder and gratitude and love and compassion and feeling that I'm so infused with that that beyond the exuberance of the moment, I can carry this forward and be even more the man I want to be. And I think that's one of the most marvelous things about this medicine and the other sacred medicines is that they deliver that possibility and our other methods fail us. And the shamans here that you were saying they, they sing the song, they're they're like the doctors they of, are. of ayahuasca. Yeah. And and they train for many years and eventually they're given songs by the plants called Icaros. So they can't just make them up. The plants actually come to them and give them those songs. And it it's it's not in any language we can understand, but it's a way, it's vibrations that communicate with the plant spirits. Can you explain a little more about that? What's happening when a shaman, when a shaman sits in front of you and sings the Icaros? When a really, when a highly trained shaman sits in front of you, one thing they're doing is they're attuning to your energy. I mean, when I look at the shamans, often I see their energy field, I see a grid, points of light, I see this vibrating filamentous activity around them, you know, this protective uh, covering that they've put on themselves to do the work, and I see this whole lively energy. Well, they're seeing that in us, and they address themselves to the, to you know, if I'm the shaman and I'm in front of you, I'm addressing myself to your condition. And the medicine is coming through me. So in effect, it's like a channeling type thing, although channeling has a bad name because there are so many kooks and flakes in that <laughs> realm. But, um, and, and so they're, they're singing to your needs. They're singing to the energetic blockages within you, the traumas, the things that need to be resolved and healed and balanced and opened and harmonized. And... Um, this, you know, not all of the work that we need can be accomplished in a night or in two nights or in ten, but um, they do that and, you know, after a certain point, they're satisfied that the work that can be accomplished in that particular ceremony at that time has been accomplished. And here, when you have five shamans coming to you in a night here at Temple of the Way of Light, um, you get all their varied skills and talents and the plants that they've dieted with and the energies that they're bringing forth. So it's like having five geniuses tend to you and provide, you know, working with who you are and what your energetic condition is, providing you with what you need for your own healing for your own regeneration to happen in an uninhibited, unrestricted, joyful, and free way. It was so beautiful when the shaman sat in front of me. Each shaman would sing a different ikaros, and as they would do it, uh, a different memory would come up. Yes. Or I'd actually feel energies being pulled out of my body as some of the shamans were singing ikaros and... Um, and one uh, of the shamans, uh, a Corandera, told me that she was singing a song that came from a plant that likes to wrap its vines 
around things and kind of squeeze them. Uh-huh. And and so she's she said that as she's singing and I felt this like spirit enter my body and I felt it felt like vines were going around my heart. Uh-huh. And then squeezing it and then at that same time tears just started pouring out of my eyes. And and once again, this is where I say it's like magic. Yeah. And and the tears were pouring out of my eyes, and I started having memories of a family member who uh-huh. is going through a big struggle right now. And I felt like I was crying the tears and trauma for that family member. Yeah. And then then I felt a burst of energy in my stomach, and then whew, I sent it out of my mouth, and I felt like I was taking that trauma from that family member and just releasing it. And and this is all in the process of, of just one song. Sure, sure. And and, and from a, a biochemical standpoint, those tears, other than the tears that just keep our eyes moist, the basal tears, those tears are rich with stress hormones. And when they're coming out, you're actually physically squeezing stress out of your body. So the relief that you unquestionably felt afterwards was not only due to a spiritual release, but also to a biochemical release. The, the two coexist very beautifully hand in hand. Uh, last night, uh, one of these shamans, the, the one for whom I had the, the greatest affinity, this man, Jorge, who you know is kind of a big bear of a man and friendly and loving and kind, he sang this Akaro to me that just blew my socks off. And afterwards I said, Oh, muchas gracias, maestro. And he leaned forward and he said, yeah. (laughs) 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 And we both got the laugh and it was like, yeah, man. You know, and that's the, see, there is wonder in this world. And I think that one of the terrible sadnesses is that the wonder is increasingly being squeezed out Mm -hmm. of life. Uh, The urbanization of life separates people from nature, makes them actually nature-phobic. Children don't run through the woods and experience life, you know, picking up frogs and catching tadpoles and doing all the things that my friends and I did as kids and climbing trees and picking flowers and having all that, playing in fields, you know, and running and hiding behind trees, you know, it's all, you know, what's your Nintendo game and you're in some apartment in a city someplace estranged from nature. And um, this reconnection, uh, I believe that one of the things that happens is that the ayahuasca is in addition to helping us heal and give us spiritual experiences that are deeply meaningful to us, it's also creating a bunch of emissaries, Mm. people who then go out. You know, I find myself, I mean, I I work with some of the largest cosmetic companies in the world, large food companies, nutritional supplement companies. I'm in the corporate world all the time, you know, and uh, I will... I will, if you will, I like to say, you know, carry the medicine, carry the spirit of this life message forward. And often, often, I will talk about ayahuasca in the most unlikely situations, in a boardroom at L'Oreal, you know, at Pepsi or whatever. And what's fascinating is that people will say, God, I love that you told us about that. It touches something in their hearts. It touches something in their souls. People want this connectivity. And so those of us who are privileged enough to have this experience, Mm -hmm. I believe that it cannot and should not be just a 
a self-healing or even self-indulgent experience, but it also is something that you know opens us up to then go out and serve with greater purpose and not you know not engaging in causes out of anger or rage or hostility or reactivity or defiance but out of love and compassion and a real desire to help make a better future for everybody and that's that's along the lines of what i had a a meeting with mother nature pachamama uh the other day before i went up to drink i set an intention so that's something you do before you drink the ayahuasca you actually ask the plant spirits uh for what you want and you usually get it yes you do <laughs> and and so on, on the night that you met your mother did is that what you asked i i actually asked to be shown uh my greatest goodness mm. and what happened after the experience of the the resolution of the grief with my mother is that i was shown how through her family line through my grandparents uh, my grandfather was a, a a genius and a profoundly gifted minister who spent his entire life serving people you know helping the sick and counseling people he was really a a wise man and my grandmother was just this extraordinary fountain of love and my mother was unfailingly loving and kind and supportive of me and i saw how that current of goodness came through them to me mm -hmm. and uh it even though i knew that uh the thoroughness with which I experienced that uh, gave me a much, much, much more expanded and profound sense of it. But you're right, asking for what you want, although I have to say it can be comical. You have to be a little bit specific. I, <laughs> I one time early on in my ayahuasca drinking career was quite scared one night and I said, I want to surf my way out of this fear. I didn't say, I'd like to surf my way out of this on a nice, friendly little four-foot wave. So instead, I found myself on a skyscraper-high, 500-foot <laughs> terrifying wave going, ah! I mean, I did, in fact, surf out of the fear. But uh, yes, the ayahuasca gives you what you want. It may surprise you in how it delivers that, mm -hmm. but it will give you what you want. And, and that's what I went up and asked before I, I drank the god-awful brew known as ayahuasca, which <laughs> ayahuasca is smart. It doesn't want people to abuse it. So it tastes, it's the most horrific taste in the world. You, you, I think everyone gags just watching others in the circle drinking yeah, it yeah. because you remember what it tastes like. So it'd be nearly impossible oh, yeah. to abuse it. Because yeah. it's so horrific. Even just to take a shot glass down of this stuff, it's so horrific. And and so I went up, and before I drank, I, I held the, the glass of ayahuasca in my hand, and I, I said, you know, Mother Nature, I love you. I, I want to be able to meet you and get wisdom and guidance. And and then I, I put the shot glass up and chugged it back and then instantly gagged and, and went back to my mat. And, and luckily, I for some reason, I'm one of the few people who I just don't throw up. Yeah. So yeah. that's a that's a blessing. And and then all of a sudden I was it came on really strong. I saw these amazing shapes and colors and I was it was like I was traveling at the speed of light through the universe and just surrounded by these rainbow beautiful colors and I was headed towards this bright beautiful light. Uh. Like like lava at sunset, you know, uh. just emanating this this huge rich color and and I was like Pachamama Mother Nature is that you? 
and I and I didn't hear a voice answer. I just felt a presence. Uh-huh. Like, yes, uh-huh. this is me. Is I'm the spirit uh, of the earth because I do believe the earth, just like we're talking about plants, this is a, is living a living being. a living conscious being. How can we not think? that earth is a living being and by the way i think it's interesting that we've declared corporations living beings with human rights but but we haven't done that for the earth yet but i'm working on that now yeah but um so so i got to i i felt the presence of mother nature and i just started i just felt tears just coming out of my eyes it was just so beautiful to know that i was in the presence of this being that i've loved for so much of my life and Mm. wanted to spend so much of my life protecting and one of the messages I was given almost instantly was that we're in a very dire situation, as we both know. We both, are. And, and that we are, right now, Mother Earth is deciding what to do with man. <laughs> and and we, we really need to switch things around because Mother Nature will survive and Earth will survive. But whether we are able to continue on is, you know, is, is in limbo because of we're turning into a cancer. And, um, and one thing that download I was given was to remind people to get reconnected yeah to reconnect remind people of my beauty I keep getting this Uh, remind people how beautiful I am Amber do everything you can you're a photographer videographer reconnect people with my beauty people are so disconnected they're wearing rubber shoes they're they're not even touching the ground they're driving to car or to work in in cars living in a box I mean they're they have almost no connection to me anymore remind them and then also I felt Mother Nature telling me that they created, that these plant medicines have been created, these sacred medicines, to, to help her warriors mm-hmm. and to help those who are, that those who are passionate about Mother Nature and who can serve Mother Nature in this vital time are being called down right now in getting that voice in their head to call them down to the Amazon to try ayahuasca because ayahuasca is helping cleanse them and heal them and get them prepared for for battle to go mm-hmm. back out into the world and really push to to heal and to to protect mother earth do you do you feel like I, ayahuasca is doing that you know i do i mean at, at the very least that's the effect uh but i do think there is an intentionality to it uh you know ayahuasca existed for at least a couple of thousand years that we know of as a, you know, a native tribal thing that was only enjoyed here in the Amazon rainforest and certainly not ever by outsiders. And now it has, you know, really hopped its boundaries. And uh, a lot of people are being called. A lot of people feel compelled to come down here and drink. And yes, people are also drinking in other parts of the world that aren't the Amazon. Though I feel very strongly that coming here and drinking is an irreplaceable experience. I know ev- not everybody can come here. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, many people become galvanized with the realization that we need to protect the Amazon, protect nature, work ever harder on the mission of restoring, um, you know, the natural resources that are being rapidly and, and, you know, sadly very degraded. And and also, if you think about, let me think about you and me. I mean, you know, we're, we're both in broadcasting in different ways. You know, I've been doing TV since I was a little boy and radio and um, we may have met at a party or something and had a great conversation and found some commonality and shared some you know good thoughts and ideas but as a result of ayahuasca 
we've also had the opportunity to connect in a way that is uh, much more deep, if you will, much more resonant, you know, getting a, a, a greater sense of each other's souls. I mean, within the time period allotted to us. And I think that that's also one of the very strengthening things of this medicine is that when you come together and drink with others, you realize, oh, there are a lot of people who care about this. There are a lot of people who want a better world. There are a lot of people who don't buy the lie. There are a lot of people who want to go out and, and you know, fight for what's good and decent and dignified and life imbuing instead of what's destructive and just creates separateness and is driven entirely by greed. And that's the great promise of this medicine. And, and it connects you to people. You become lifelong friends sometimes oh, yeah. just one night. Oh, yeah. After seeing people so vulnerable and being so vulnerable together oh, yeah. where, you know, people are throwing up, they're crying, they're laughing. And, yeah. And, you know, you just instantly, you form that bond because you realize, yeah, we are all, we are all one. And we are all, we all want the same things. And, and this group in particular, especially this retreat, we, we just want to, to live uh, a peaceful, beautiful life in harmony with nature. Is that is that too much to ask? <laughs> it's not only not too much to ask, but it's our rightful place in life. You know, the big gorilla in the corner that, that most people just refuse to talk about because they're afraid of being castigated by different religious organizations mostly is that we're a grossly overpopulated planet. Uh, we actually had a relatively stable ecological environment at about 2 billion people. We're 7.3 or so now. It's totally not sustainable. We can't provide the natural resources for that many people. The population is rapidly expanding. We are destroying the environment around us. And uh, those of us who are coming together and do this, you know, we're not just sitting on mats and drinking ayahuasca and talking with each other. We're also... Uh, for the most part, a well-informed group uh, taking in information in our, our different and respective fields, whether it's medicine or environmental conservation. You know, my wife is very involved with wildlife. We're, we're bringing to bear a massive amount of real practical everyday knowledge and figuring out with and among ourselves and each other how we can move forward, but not not through greed and separation and conquest and domination. Instead, through sharing and mutuality and open-heartedness and compassion. And that is the highest possible mission we can fulfill. And so are you, what do you think that, that ayahuasca, what do you think its greatest gift is for humanity? Or, or where, do you, where do you see it going? I mean, it's spreading so rapidly. It's uh, you're already seeing it even show up in ceremonies in middle America. <laughs> I, I think its greatest gift is that it is the healing agent that we never thought was possible. And, you know, I, I remember a Hawaiian healer said uh, something so staggering in its immensity. I never forgot it. He said, true healing puts into order the body, mind and spirit with the past, the present and the future. And if you really take in that notion, that means that, that real healing is the balancing of everything. 
And while I would not say that, you know, drinking ayahuasca for a night or a week or a month is going to solve all the problems in your life because life is complex and we're, you know, constantly dealing with ourselves, I would say that it does offer that rich a promise. And once you are tapped into an infinitude of goodness, once you're tapped into that deep, rich, flowing vein of vital life, not just the absence of abject pain, but real vitality and joy and open-heartedness and goodness and feeling, oh God, you know, I, I feel actual real love for the people in my life and the connectedness and the warmth and I want that and I don't want the separation. I think that's the greatest gift of ayahuasca. And something to mention, as we have, is that it, it doesn't work for everybody, especially if you're on antidepressants, uh, people who maybe have other mental health disorders, schizophrenia. Sure. It, it's not a, a miracle cure. And, and also, too, something you have to be careful coming down here. We're, we're at the Temple of the Way of Light. This is a vetted place. This comes highly recommended from friends. That's why I felt very safe coming here. Right. And Matthew and Clara, who run it, are, are fantastic individuals. But I, I think it's definitely a risk people take, and you may be able to definitely add a lot of insight on this, coming down here um, for, I hate the word, ayahuasca tourism, because it yep, should never be yep. a tourist. You have to, this is a sacred medicine. You need to be in search of healing to come down here. It's not just tourism, like you just go down to the rainforest to go zip lining or whitewater rafting. That's not, you know, it's not yeah, a Yeah, well, let's go do some ayahuasca, too, <laughs> while we're down there. It's not a fashion and style trend, even no. though the New York Times put it oh, in their fashion and style. You know, it's it's such a shame that with the resource of journalists that they have, that they didn't put it in the medicine section. And I and yeah. I think that was specifically to Huge discredit mistake. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so, but but I think people coming down here for quote unquote ayahuasca tourism, or people just coming down in general uneducated, that you're definitely putting yourself at risk. This is a very powerful medicine. There is a bit of uh, deceit involved. There can be even an element of witchcraft that you have to be careful of, and it's vital that you go to a reputable center with uh, a decent shaman. Do you agree? This is a replay of the late 60s and early 1970s when people flocked to India to find gurus. There are, in fact, some real gurus. There are, in fact, some phenomenally talented, intelligent yogis who teach yoga and meditation and help people to lead better lives through a whole series of practices and methods. I mean, I, you know, I've been a, a yogi for 44 years. I practice every day. I've been very fortunate to be on that path. But I saw every manner of cheap hustler out there in the process. And at the very same time that this staggering medicine is available to us, there are people who go, well, you know, there's money to be made and there's sex to be had and, uh, gee, there are a lot of pretty women coming down here for this. And so the whole carnival of crooks and phonies and, you know, fakers and cheats and deceptive people, that's also happening uh, as well. I, I, If I can plug it, I, I am... Uh, you know, soon my book, The Ayahuasca Test Pilot's Handbook, The Essential Guide to Ayahuasca Journey. Uh, of course you can plug it, because <laughs> okay. I think this book is vitally needed, and I'm so happy that you're publishing this. Well, it, it, it addresses this. You know, you can't just assume that anybody who says they're a shaman is worthy. 
just as we sadly know that while there are some good priests and ministers, there are also some people who are buggering choir boys behind the altar. You know, um, we people people need to be guided to the right folks. You can have a very bad experience if you're in the hands of a wrong person. Uh, women have been sexually abused. People have been taken advantage of financially. That also will always go on where there's popularity and where there's money involved. You know, these centers need money to run. And the shamans, in many cases, are, are making more of a living, and they should make a good living, than, than they ever would have been possible in any previous time. So... Uh, Places that are vetted, like Temple of the Way of Light, um, give a safe haven to people who want the medicine. And um, you do need to be circumspect. Shamans are not perfect. You know, shamans are human beings who have foibles and they have their life issues and they have their own dramas too. But they happen to be, if they're well trained and if they're ethical, they happen to be spectacular technicians who deeply care about your well-being and your, you know, your future as a whole and healthy person. But you don't want to wind up in the wrong hands because then that can be a very bad experience. So we need, uh, you know, we need more, for example, websites that can alert people to, hey, you know, don't go to this guy because he's really a crook and watch out for so-and-so and go here because they do it safely and clean and their intention is really high and pure. And I, I'm hoping that the Ayahuasca Test Pilot's Handbook will make, you know, a worthy contribution to that effort. I, I think I wish I had had that before I went down. I was looking for I was looking for your book. It you hadn't just come didn't to know fruition it was yet. Coming out. Yeah, right, I was right. predicting the future. I was like, where is his book? I can't find it. Right. And and so that comes out in November. Comes out in November. Pe people can pre order it on Amazon. God bless Amazon. I mean, you know, for all of the all of the chaos that is on the web. Uh, yeah, people can pre order it. I'm I'm very uh, I'm happy to serve. You know, I, I like being able to serve in those situations in which I place myself. And I do hope that this will make a worthy contribution. It gives people loads of information about ayahuasca and the other plants used and what shamans are and what ceremonies are like and some of the things you may expect and what to look for and what to look out for. And uh, people who've seen some advanced materials say it's also, you know, humorous and easy to read. So I hope all of that is so. Yeah, I'm not surprised coming from you. <laughs> what do you think has been, as you know, we're, sadly enough, my three-week trip is coming to a close tomorrow, and I have to actually get on the boat, go up the Amazon, go to Iquitos, get on a plane, and go back to Los Angeles, yeah. which is like a jungle in itself. Yes, it is. A concrete jungle. So yeah. I'm definitely going to miss the frogs and the noises of the jungle and, and have to turn back to reality. And you're, you're heading back tomorrow, too? Yeah, yeah. We'll actually, we'll go into Iquitos for a day and then we'll fly, you know, back to Massachusetts. Um, but you were, you were asking me, what do I think is what? What do you think was the most memorable moment of your trip? Your most memorable insight given to you by this sacred plant? Here at this time, I think it's been the reaffirmation that, the, that really the only worthy thing is love that everything else is second rate, that, that love is, is you know, the greatest gift we have in our lives, that love is 
the most sacred bond we can have with other people, that if we can, in fact, remember to love, if we can remember to be open-hearted people, that we can engage in everything in our lives, our work, all of our activities, our home life, our families, our friendships, everything in a higher, much more joyful way. And I also uh, know that I will come away from this particular experience here at Temple of the Way of Light uh, with real deep affection for this group that's assembled here. It's been a, a wonderful thing to meet highly talented people, you know, you and some of the many others. I, I sit and listen to people and I go, really? You do that? Whoa. And you, uh, no kidding. Wow. You know, it's just been this uh, kind of peeling open the, the layers of the onion, you know, in so many ways. So I'm carrying a, a, a rich uh, kind of treasure chest of goodness away from this. And I find that the ayahuasca gives me fluidity to leave the Amazon and this marvelous group and this exuberant experience and to go back into all of the other activities and areas of my life with a greater sense of, of freedom and purpose and happiness. And that's what the ayahuasca showed me. It's just turning on lights uh, for activists and, yes. and people all over yes. the world. I just saw this vision of of all these little light bulbs going on inside these little beings all over the planet, <laughs> thanks thanks to these medicines. And it's been such a pleasure having you share your knowledge on the show today. Chris, how can our listeners find out more about The Medicine Hunter and, and really well, be connected with your work in, in addition can, to the book? They can go to my website, uh, medicinehunter.com. Uh, you'll see about, I don't know, 150 or so, you know, links to different TV shows I've done and, and information about my books. And I have to say that my wife, Zoe, has uh, led the development and creation of that site. I mean, I've, I've certainly done the content, but she has put that whole thing together with a, a team of talented people. And uh, so medicinehunter.com. And, uh, you know, if you're a Dr. Oz show viewer, you'll see me on there from time to time because I'm a regular there. And I'm oddly enough on Fox News, which is a totally strange experience. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's great to have global exposure. So you, you can catch me around. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank it's you, been Amber. It's such a pleasure not only interviewing you for the podcast, but really gaining a new lifelong friend here in this Maloka oh, and yeah. on, this, oh, yeah. on this journey. Count on it. And for those of you listening, if you want to find out more information on natural medicines and therapies to really help purge that trauma, that's the goal. We need to heal on the individual level and collectively we're going to see dramatic change in society. And until we all heal individually, we're not going to see that change. So it's really empowering to know that you can change the world by just focusing on yourself and healing from within. So if you want to learn more about these therapies, head to reset.me where you will also find more information about Chris and this podcast. Thanks for joining us.